You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And we're doing a live show here today. So let's start uh, by reaching out to the helping spirits that are here with us. So we call out to the ancestors, the good, true, and beautiful ancestors. I call out to your ancestors, and I call out to mine. I ask these ancestors to be with us here in this day. We ask, I call out to all those who carry this legacy that they earned or failed that at the end of their life they reconciled that life they brought it into perspective they died reconnected with the oneness and have come back to us as the well ones that can assist us in drawing on all that is good all that is true and all that is beautiful in this rich legacy of human experience and so we reach out to these ancestors and ask them to be with us here today to help us the living to rise to the challenges of our times and to do so in a way that we do what is good for all living things. And as these ancestors, these human ancestors, begin to gather around us, let's extend our awareness out and remember that we are recent comers to this beautiful planet. We are recently here. So let us reach out to all of the non-human ancestors that are all around us in their many forms, those who were here long before there was ever a human and will be here and be with us here today to connect us. We call out to these ancestors to uh, help us to learn that which abides, to help us to simplify those that we have made too complicated in our human ways, and to help us to remember what our true nature is and to uh, drop into that true nature and remember that this is the most important thing that we are bringing into each life is that which is true and unique to who we are. And so as all of these ancestral energies are gathering around, we call them in. As we call in ourselves, we begin to draw ourselves in, take a nice deep breath, a big exhale, draw yourself in, drawing yourself into your head. With the next breath and exhale, drawing yourself into your heart. With your next breath, And exhale, drawing yourself into your belly. And as you settle into your body, take a moment. Stop doing all the many things that you're doing and just take this one moment to reach down to the earth to give thanks for this day. To give thanks for your life and for this opportunity that is inherent in each day to learn, to grow, to do things differently. Or perhaps to repeat that thing you just finally figured out how to do in a good way. And we give gratitude for that creative, living, breathing process that is life here on Earth. And with enormous gratitude to the Earth for all that it offers us that we can live and thrive, we reach our energy down through all the layers of the Earth, the very center of the Earth. 
and take a moment as our gratitude flows out through all those layers of the earth to connect in to those energies that draw their strength, draw their power, draw their wisdom out of stillness, out of silence, out of darkness. Energies that replenish and rejuvenate and restore. These are the energies that are before all that we would call beauty and abundance and life here on earth. And we, we reach into these origin energies and we draw them up to bring into our own lives a sense of restoration and rejuvenation and reconnection. And as we call the energy of the earth into our life, take a moment and consider as you ground yourself in this way, who are you? Where do you stand? What do you stand for? And to remind yourself daily what has heart and meaning. And to build your sense of home, your sense of belonging, based on what has heart and meaning to you. Not necessarily mindless habits, the expectations are other of others, and ideas that no longer really uh, resonate in your heart. That let your sense of your life, your home, your hearth, your family, your kin, however you understand that, that that be moving through you through what truly nourishes your heart and gives your heart a sense of meaning and then infuses uh, these things in life that help us understand what has value to us. And let that be where your attention flows in this day. So as we learn from the earth, let us learn about connection, connection within ourself, connection with others, connection with the earth and the environment around, connection with the invisible world. And let us learn how to come into right relationship in a way that we understand that we are intricate, intricately connected to all things and yet not the center of everything. And so as we draw this earth energy up, drawing it up from our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind, let us reach up and out through the top of our head, out through the sky, reaching all the way out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos. And in that wonderful, mysterious, beautiful darkness of the cosmos, let us reach for that light, that light of the sun, the moon, the stars, reaching beyond to whatever, however you name this divine radiant energy above, however you conceive of it, connect to it and begin to draw it down, drawing into yourself, into your life, into this day, drawing into these proceedings, the essence energy of blessing, drawing in protection, drawing in inspiration and illumination and that which inspires our innovation. We call these energies in connecting to our head and our heart and our belly as we send this energy down. And in this way, we connect to the energies of above and below in the center and in that deep cosmic affair going on. And let that love inspire your own heart to its own courage, its own power, its own vulnerability to be in love and as your heart opens into that uh, attention and inspiration of your own awareness 
reach deep into your heart and really uh, start that fire under that cauldron, that deep cauldron of transformation that is in your heart as you call up your own passions in this unique lifetime and call down the clarity that comes through this unique lifetime and let that ability to understand how to do things in the world dance there with that thing you must do. Let these things dance in your heart and May you find in that dance that sense of why you are here. And may you reach into that very same heart, connecting deeply into your courage there, and do something in this day, large or small, to bring that gift that is yours to bring into the world. And for all of the assistance that you have, all of the assistance that I have in doing that, we give great thanks. May what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard and may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. So I'd like to give thanks to those of you that continue to donate to Why Shamanism Now, those that you discover the show and are inspired to do so. If this show uh, it moves you in any way, um, if it is meaningful in any way, if you've been moved in the heart, please consider doing something to donate to the show to give back in return. Um, it can be large or small. It can be financial or in other ways that help the show to grow and to be strong. And I want to thank those who are able to donate financially. I want to thank Bobby and Bridget, people donating, listeners donating to the show. And I also want to give gratitude to those of you that have set yourselves up to just donate monthly as an automatic payment. Your name doesn't necessarily pop up every month, but I am grateful for those donations. And because of this, you all keep the archives of Why Shamanism Now um, free and available to anyone who can get online at whyshamanismnow.com. So thank you, everyone, for your support. If you don't want to, uh, if you want to support the show but you don't want to do so online, you can always email me at christina at lastmasscenter.org, and I would be happy to give you a regular address for a regular old check. We are live today, which we haven't been for a while, so that's kind of exciting. If you have any questions about today's topic, which is centering love uh, in these challenging times. Uh, so if you have a question about this topic today, you can call in at 512-772-1938 or Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site. Or you can always, after the fact, email me at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org. All right, um, everyone. So today's show is about how we center love as this place of power in our own life um, when that is challenging. And I, I really believe through experience, right, that the core of living well for each of us is our own ability to center love as a place of power in our life, no matter the circumstances of our life. So as the circumstances of our life change, as they inevitably do, that we are able to keep discovering and rediscovering how we choose to value and center love, not as a, as a food that helps us to care for ourselves and for others and for the things in the world that have heart and meaning for us. And so... I feel that this, this core of living well, this ability to center love, um, and in particular when, when we're thrown off center, 
that ability to come back to your own center, to center love and do what you need to do. Learning to do that is really part of what is required of being a grown-up these days. And this is equally, though in some circumstances, differently true in, in, in our lives as individuals, but also in our lives collectively. And this has been the constant message of the many waves of influence in this year, 2020, is this constant, ever-present reminder of how deeply interconnected we all are, that we are all part of a collective, whether we want to be or not. And so how do we center love? So to center love in a way that empowers us to constantly remember what we care about, what has value, what is meaningful for us, because that directs what we commit our time and energy and resources to. And, and it's important for us and resources. So what this also does in many ways is remind us why we should bother. I mean, I think often in life we have to test what we're doing. Like, why am I bothering to do this? Does this really still matter to me? Does this really still have meaning to me? Or has this changed? Is this no longer uh, the most valuable thing? And as, as, as we grow, as we change, as other things evolve in our life, we may find that that one thing that was absolutely critical for us, our highest value five years ago, is still valuable to us but it is not the thing of highest value. One of the, the great game changers, of course, in many of your lives is having children. It definitely changes the order of how things are valued. And for many of you, those precious children that you've had have all been home with you all year. And so there are many factors in our lives right now that are bigger than we are, that are collectively shared, and yet we're all trying to understand how, what does living well look like in this time. So in, in the midst of all of this, one of my, my longtime dear listeners um, sent me a message and she said, I have a question on a very hard subject, politics, which I'm not actually going to talk about today. I talked about politics a lot four years ago and it didn't really serve anybody well. And so I'm not talking about politics, but her question is in that realm. And she says, as a person who has always believed good will always prevail and in the end, love will conquer all, it feels like that face-off is about to go down. She says, I suppose I know deep down that even if the world had to endure another dose of this craziness, it doesn't mean that the destiny of the world has changed forever. But our world seems to be right now. It's incredibly disheartening, she says. She says this deep-seated feeling uh, to defend and knock down, these feelings of hate. She continues, in these very, very challenging times, I was wondering if you might consider sharing a few thoughts with the world on how we might get through another potential assault on all that the free world stands for. <laughs> yeah, just a little ask, right? And she says, um, how to not give in to despair in the middle of the unthinkable. There is so much hate and division right now. I feel what might happen. Oh, I fear what might happen to those of us who are holding our breath for a change. 
what might happen if it doesn't come? And I am wondering if you might consider giving us a bit of a pep talk to help us to see a bigger picture and maybe assist in preparing for what might, might lie ahead for the world. So this, this post actually came in a little while ago um, and I've thought about it for a bit. And actually I have had many days where I'd wondered, you know, what could I even possibly say in the midst of all that is going on right now? Well, that I haven't already said in three other podcasts. Um, on the other hand, this is, this is, there is nothing about the time that we're in that should be a surprise. That this is the logical conclusion of what we have all been creating and what we have been paying attention to and not paying attention to. I am as guilty as many Americans of not really paying attention to everything that was going on, all the laws that were being passed in Congress, for example, that got the United States into the situation that it's in right now. Uh, and I'm guilty. I, I didn't pay attention. I was busy, you know, doing podcasts and talking about the world I wanted to create. And I didn't of this situation that we're in. We've all done things and, you know, our actions and our non-actions are all contributing to this. It's just the logical conclusion of the lives that we're living. And so, and we're all living different versions in part because of the inherent rank, privilege, and power moving through the um, the systems of white supremacy that is, you know, moves around the globe and particularly here in the United States. But we're, we're also in different places just because of who we are, because of our lives, because of what we've decided to make center, what to center in our lives and um, what we haven't paid attention to. And, and so in many ways, nothing's changed in the sense that we're still in the same place that we're always in in our life, which is how we choose to order ourselves in our day. And since this is white shamanism now, I would say how we choose to order ourselves and our relationship with our helping spirits you know, affects how, how our day goes, the influ it influences our day, and then we influence the days that other people are having and other things, you know, the world. I mean, remember how it felt six months ago as the world, you know, humanity basically went into quarantine and it got so quiet and all of the funny things that the animals and the plants started doing. Right, and so we're all, my point is not that that was good or bad. My point is how deeply interconnected of how our actions and our orientation in the world, how our choices affect the lives of ourselves and others. So it was honestly in this 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 sweetness of her message, which was simply, I know I could do better, but under all of this, I'm losing the ability to know how. And I thought, <laughs> I felt that. I've certainly felt that many days over this past year, right? We all know this place. There is a feeling of relentlessness in these times, of feeling battered by wave after wave of whatever. I mean, fill in the blank with your favorite frustration of the moment, right? 
And then imagine, you know, enduring all of this on top of potentially you are grieving the death of a loved one from this virus, maybe more than one, right? Or you're suddenly homeschooling three children, right? Or you're navigating life in the United States in a black or brown body. Or you're being 13 years old and trying to come of age in a world that is locked down. You know that that I I often in those moments where I where I I want to ask, you know, how could I do better? How could I possibly do better is what I think sometimes. And then I think about how much more challenging my life could be in these times. And I realized that, yeah, I need to do better. And so I decided in the spirit of this beautiful listener and her true and honest efforts, I know I could do better. I just don't know how. And so before I try to answer that, I'm just going to acknowledge the fact that most of us are really tired, (laughs) really exhausted from this constant onslaught of things. And they all need our attention. And it is a huge opportunity to change. And yes, the main thing we need to be thinking about is what is the world we want to create out of this, where we are now, whatever that is for you. I'm not telling you what it should be. I'm just saying, focus on what is it? What is the world that you're wanting to create? And how are your efforts creating that world now? Yes, there is the daily survival, which for some people has gotten really problematic, really scary, right? And and within that, for those who can, who has the bandwidth beyond that, what world are we creating and how are we contributing to that now? Because things are in a kind of impossible upheaval right now, which does mean it is somewhat easier to move towards the new when things are already in chaos. It's important to take heart in chaos as, you know, working with chaos is a big piece of the cycle teachings, coming in right relationships with helping spirits that are at home in chaos. And, and we are not as human beings very much at home in chaos, right? So how, how can we be effective in the world in chaotic times is, is definitely a piece of the cycle teachings and often other, other aspects, other traditions of shamanism. Right. So as we work with our helping spirits, we can be better able to deal with the chaos and focus on using it as a way to, as an opportunity to build what it is that we want to build. And we're all tired of hearing that message, too. <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted to take this a step further and just say that what has happened for me, I share honestly what has happened for me is I remembered something that used to be long before I even knew about shamanism and helping spirits that was this guiding principle in my life. And so so this was a time in my life where I was doing energy body, what is now energy body clearing. And in the clearing of my own patterns, I came to understand that... Um, I had the power to make new choices, that to very effectively unmake the old choices and make new choices. And in the process of that, it really changed, cranked through a lot of the problematic dynamics in my relationships, you know, based on how I was raised as a kid, just like everybody else. 
And as I began to understand this one piece of wisdom, which is that whether or not I felt that I was in love had nothing to do with anyone around me or whether or not I was in a relationship or not. It had to do with my own choice about how I positioned myself in the day. And at, at the time, I thought of it as making a conscious choice to be in love as a place to stand and that it was my, it was my politic, it was my body politic that I was going to stand in love. And that the juiciness and wonder and exquisiteness of the love in my life was not going to be dependent on whether or not I was in relationship, whether or not I was having a fight with my parents or whether or not I, you know, had friends that, that this, this experience of being in love is always available to us because it is the nature of this great web of life that we are part of if we choose to connect there. So the way I would say it today, though, in today's language and and in response to the listener, right, is to center, to choose to center love. Because if I choose to center love in this day, it's going to then define the things that I direct my time and energy and resources into. And it's going to help me feel better about directing time and energy and resources into things I love that like my children, when I have to do things, I don't really want to do. Like I, I, I get it. There's a lot of you out there that don't want to be in a situation with your children home 24 seven homeschooling that you had other plans for 2020 and then to be homeschooling your children. Um, so, but, if, if we center love, we can have things we do need to do because these are larger choices about what we love in our life that we may not like doing, but we can come into a better relationship with doing them, perhaps not so resentful or frustrated. And I'm going to try to stop using our children at home as the example for this whole show now because it's not really that bad. Um, but it is a big stress on single mothers who, especially single mothers who are trying to work from home to think about this kind of thing. I mean, I'm working from home, but I'm also not parenting, right? Okay. So my point about all of this is that I really feel for all that we are doing in terms of moving towards creating a culture in which there is no group of people that have to be constantly protesting for simply being treated like everyone else in the culture no group they're not having to protest around which bathrooms they get to use who they get to marry what clothing they wear whether or not they want to to have an abortion um that people are free to make their decisions about their own being in the world okay that is going to come out of choosing to center love in your life. So whatever it is that you value in the world, I'm not saying you have to value what I just said, but whatever you choose to value in the world needs to roll out of the fact that you've chosen to be in love in the first place. And I actually believe at the, at the core 
of the teachings that are coming out of what we're now calling the Black Lives Movement in the United States and in other places in the world, at the core of that teaching, as I endeavor to educate myself, are people who have been centering love in their lives for decades in spite of everything. And so there's there's really, really beautiful teachers that are fully developed in how you continue to choose to center love in challenging times that are there uh, in in this leading this movement right now in the United States, lots to read, lots to learn there. So what I will add to that, because I can only add a tiny piece to what are really volumes of people that have been at this for, for a long time. I'd have more to, much more to say on the top, topic than I do. Right? But what I would say from a shamanic perspective is what allows me to center love in the days when that is really challenging is that combination of my human being practices and my shamanic practices, my my ongoing every day I am in relationship with invisible beings way of going through the world. And so what that all has brought me to in the cycle teachings um, that that evolution of you know decades of choosing to center love, choosing to be in love and and to take full responsibility for that experience in my life that is not dependent on other people, other communities, anything. My family of origin is not dependent on that. It's dependent on me and my choices and how I choose to be in the world. What that opens up then is because you're opening yourself to it, you're constantly plugging into this network of love that exists in the world. And it's in the physical world, it's in the invisible world. Um, you can see it in everything if that's where you're choosing to orient and pay attention. And so and a simple example and from a very practical perspective that actually a student just shared last night in a conversation we were having with their class was – feeling someone whose politics were very different from theirs, sort of trying to pull them into an argument that would be divisive. Whereas their efforts in the conversation were to keep finding common ground, to center love and keep finding common ground. And at that critical moment where that conversation was just about to go into the the divisiveness they were just inspired to comment on the beauty of a plant in this person's home, which completely distracted the person from the argument that wanted to happen to this conversation about something the person clearly loved, which was their plants. Now, it's very simple and very simplistic, but it was an opportunity this person created and then stepped into to keep centering love, to keep finding that place of connection. And where that doesn't exist, part of centering love is also to know when to step away. And, and I, I, it's important to keep bringing that out because there's this assumption about centering love that creates this Sisyphusian effort in our life. And part of loving ourself is to have a sense of boundaries for where you're in about defense. But it's mostly, 
my sense of boundaries is mostly about this is where my energy can flow out to and engage today. And so I feel more like a swimming pool, right? And my boundaries are the edge of the pool versus some sort of shield or gate or wall. It's more like this is the Christina energy and this is how big the pool is today. And this is what it can reach out to and touch and engage with. And that's, that's more that my sense than if I'm centering love and having healthy boundaries, I can have that conversation and engage this, this person with their plants and, and find that place of commonality and love. Or I can choose in this moment, I, I, there's, there is no common ground that can be found here and that that's also okay. I can love that moment too and step away right, and move away and not be brought, brought into the divisiveness that I don't love. <laughs> I, it's, I, the divisiveness is something that I uh, that for me pulls apart the very things we're trying to create, and uh, because it does so in a way that is not respecting all perspectives. Okay, the act of divisiveness. Okay, not that I don't respect the the right of the person who believes something different from me to believe it. I do respect their right because I can't expect my rights to be valued if I don't value others. Right? And that's such a critical piece of this whole understanding of centering love and recognizing that as I center love, I cannot stand in the way of someone else expressing their soul's purpose. I, and at the same time, others can't stand in the way of me expressing mine. And so that's where you start realizing everybody doing whatever they want doesn't really work doesn't really honor these larger teachings of what it means to be in the collective you know you aren't just here as an individual that centering love is about you how you treat yourself how you focus on what has heart and meaning for you and then it also is part of how you extend out into the world okay so back to the shamanism though in the cycle teachings we were given a true love prayer and when I am really challenged with how to figure out what to do, how to center love in a situation that I am just at absolutely loose ends trying to get back to that place in my own life. And this has been a year full of those places. So I'm, I'm, I'm down there in the mud with all of you trying to figure that out. Um, and bless those of you that have already got it figured out. Um, but for me, I use this prayer. And so I think not that you should use our prayer. But I think it can be helpful to have close at hand something that guides you, something simple that guides you. For me, often, it's just a series of quotes. Like there was a really long time where I had a Chinese proverb, which is those who believe it cannot be done should get out of the way of the person doing it. (laughs) And that was my guiding principle for about a whole decade. Um, But anyway, my point is, in these challenging times, we need with us, close at hand, our remedies. What lifts our spirits? It can be music you have close at hand. It can be things you know are remedies for your heart close at hand. And then ultimately, my my specific response to the listener is you need a guiding vision or prayer or mantra, blessing, however you think about it. And so what I what I like about our true love 
prayer is it's actually, if you break it down, it actually explains how to center love and how to keep things in the right order. And by right order, I mean certain things are precedents for other things for in our lives as human beings. You know, we can't uh, learn to scuba dive until we've learned to swim, for example. Okay. So, so precedence matters. And this is what I like about the true love prayer is for me, it reminds me of the precedence. So whenever I'm struggling around centering love, I go back to the true love prayer and see where I've got things out of order and how to put them back into order so that I can get back to centering love. And so the prayer goes like this. It begins, may divine grace be your companion as you hold the vision in stillness and find the faith that true love is real. So may divine grace be your companion. And so many people turn to religion for this. But obviously what we're seeing is religion doesn't always translate outside of the church or temple or gathering place, right? That, and so for me, this idea of uh, making divine grace my companion is in my spiritual practices. So for me, it is in understanding that there is an invisible world here and it is my responsibility to reach out and have a strong working relationship with those energies that are wiser than I am and can guide me. I am just a human. I'm only going to be here for one lifetime, right? That is only a tiny drop in the bucket of perspective. And yet there are beings much wiser than I am that are ready, willing, and able to guide me. And that it's my responsibility to build that relationship and to, and to do it as a working relationship, not just waiting for the random big dream to guide me or the random coincidence, but to actually hitch up your big kid britches and build the working relationship and deal with the limitations and beliefs and fears and frustrations that you carry that keep you from a strong working relationship with spirit. And I believe whether you do this through a religious format or do it through a more spiritual format, that we need this as human beings. We need this to help us prevail and step into our better self. It is really challenging to do that, and we need help. So the next thing is as you hold the vision in stillness, okay, to hold the vision in stillness, you need to have a vision. And this is why people get really worked up. I, I want to know my vision. I want to know my soul's purpose. I want to know why I'm here. Well, that's different than grounding yourself, checking into your body and deciding what has heart and meaning for you as a living being in this moment and that your vision is going to be connected to that. And so your vision isn't something anyone else can hand to you. You need to have a sense of your own vision that, that you have for yourself of what would it mean for you to really step into your best self? How would you know that person if you tripped over them? Right. And then also that your vision includes something larger than you so that you're growing into something that is bigger than you, that you're connected to something that's bigger than you. So this this idea of going through year after year after year without a clear vision for the kind of person you want to be, the kind of work you want to do in the world, 
and the, and out of that then the kind of world that you are creating it's not anybody else's job to give you that and and so sometimes i have to adjust my vision i realize that that's what's off that's why i can't center love is that i i i may be disconnected from my vision or that my vision has grown stale maybe i've manifestly very inspiring anymore so vision work is your responsibility as an adult right it's what helps you stay connected to what has heart and meaning for you and then the next piece is to find the faith that true love is real you know there are moments that you simply have to step away and have faith that the conversation that is going to help that person is going to be you know three more conversations down the road you did your part and let it go have faith have faith in yourself And the most important thing about having the faith that true love is real is recognizing that life has sucked so hard lately that your faith is broken. And while that is never a happy moment, it is never welcome to have your faith broken. It is a magnificent thing. Because if you engage and you keep centering love, when your faith is broken, you will grow into a much more real, much more personal, much more deeply connected kind of faith as that faith is renewed. That to lose faith, to have your faith broken is one of the harder things that we experience in life. And one of the best things we can experience because it is one of the only ways we really grow in our faith. And it is really something to grow into a kind of faith that cannot be shaken by the kinds of events going on in the world. And you can do that, but you have to be willing to have your current version of faith broken you have to push on it and test it until it fails you so that you can grow into a kind of faith that is like the tree that can both bend in the breeze and stays deeply rooted and holds its ground in the weather of life and so each each of these pieces guides me and sometimes i realize oh well i've 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 slacked or my spiritual practice, or faith. So then the next piece of the prayer goes like this. May the path be clear for you to act in wisdom, show courage and devotion, and find laughter along the way. And one of the main, this, this line of the prayer has shown up a lot in this year. Because what I see is people sort of descending into madness, and 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 I and I mean that in its clinical sense of just lose ha, having the the things they got their bearings with or they held their bearings with taken from them, and then realizing they have no internal bearings, and people really losing their bearings in life, and. Um, and there's this kind of flipping back and forth um, between 
uh, what, was it, what was it called? Doom scrolling? You know, this, this constant, most negative perspective on the world and then binging on something that makes them laugh and feel happy to lift their spirits. But it's kind of, um, you know, this maniacal, desperate laughter, right? Because you're going for the laughter without precedence of being able to get there and have a big, true belly laugh, right? And so what this part of the prayer tells us is that we begin, may the path be clear. So is your path clear? This has been a really hard year, right, for your path to be clear. For most people, by March, the path you thought you had for yourself in this year was completely derailed. And and then within the next three months, you realized you couldn't wait around for it anymore, right? And, and so, <laughs> so that is a big question this year. Is your path clear? And so as you ask yourself that question, there is the basic human needs aspect of that path, especially for those of you that did lose your jobs and maybe are on the verge of losing your home or already did is okay. So the path there is needs. But for those of you whose needs are still met, you found a way to meet your needs through this time. Is your path still clear or did you just give up? Did, did you just let go because you didn't get what you thought you were going to get? Did you just let go? I'm watching a woman in my community really challenged by the fallout of these current times and constantly coming back to her path and redefining it and redefining it. I don't mean constant, incessant in a frustrating way, but with this diligence of this faith that isn't shaken on what she believes is her work to do in the world. And she keeps coming back to clarify that path of how I can do my work in the world as the world is a huge moving target for that work. It's beautiful to watch. It's a great example of clarifying the path first. And then in that path, act in wisdom. <laughs> and, you know, for many of us, you know, the first three months were like, wisdom, fuck wisdom. I'm just going to eat. I'm just going to drink. I'm just going to do whatever I want because I have to be stuck in this stupid apartment or home or whatever, right? You don't get to say fuck wisdom, right? That's your responsibility to act in wisdom. Now more than ever, what is the greater constant that we're creating that the colonizing white supremacy version of the world completely ignored? I'm thinking, for example, right now, the wisdom of the earth and its ecosystems and how it creates this balance or this movement of beauty and complexity, you know, the elegant solution, right? The beauty and the complexity, huge diversity that works, huge courage in staying devoted to that. And then as with the story I shared about this other woman and noticing when that path is now and impossible, and you need to regroup, new path, new clarity. How do I apply the wisdom? And then that great devotion, right? To have, show courage and devotion. Devotion to a practice. Devotion to your beliefs. Devotion to love takes huge courage. And it grows your heart. The heart is all about being courageous, 
where we acquiesce, where we step back, where we're, we aren't courageous, where we can't find within ourselves the strength to do what our heart wants to do. It weakens us in, in all the systems of our body. It's about finding some small way to show courage in my devotion to what it is that I meant to do, even when all of the ways I thought I was going to do that today fall apart. Where is that piece of courage and that devotion? And then you get to find laughter along the way. That when we're doing that, when we're clarifying that path, damn it, even though we just lost that option again, we're calling in that wisdom again, we're showing great devotion and our heart is strong in that courage, then when we get to sit back and tell the horror stories or speak to the warriorship or talk about our day with our loved ones or listen to the crazy things our children say, we get to feel that laughter coming up, rattling up out of our grounding cord into these big belly laughs as we look at just the incredible absurdity of the whole situation. And that humans are always at the butt of the joke. And, and the incredible insanity in the fact that human beings can't get the lesson over and over and over again. <laughs> it's just you have to laugh. But you have to laugh from that place of your belly and of your understanding that is, it is because of that laughter, that ability to see the humor in all of it, even if you're the butt of the joke, that you gain that ability to lift that burden of transformation of the revolution that needs to happen, that you can carry your part of it because of that laughter. So anyway, the last part of the prayer, I move along to the last part of the prayer, is may you be enriched by the wonder and majesty of love, love that attends to all, love that cares, love that is in the silence. So this part of the prayer for me if you've done the first line and you've done the second right it moves you into this place where we're in this uh wonder and majesty of love like can can you surrender into the wonder the awe the majesty of love because at that place we're not really talking about my personal love for my intimate partner or partners we're not even necessarily talking about our love with our relations we are talking about a quality of love that is about the fact that we are interconnected that I am in toxicity I might see in a wetland, for example, that's been, been filled with rubbish in this time that we're in. It hurts me because I'm in relationship with it. So that, that toxicity is, is my toxicity. I experience it. And at the same time, I also experience the pain of the people who who were in such a place that that garbage that they would put that garbage into the wetland like what what is happening in that person that would make that decision right and so so this wonder and majesty of love is for me 
not so much about the deep love of my intimate partner or partners, not so much about my family relations, which are wonderful and be in love and to be in love with all of these other things and to be in that relationship, which is not always a happy place. There's heartbreaking things. And yet it's that courage in the face of that heartbreak to understand that I feel the heartbreak because I'm available to the wonder and the majesty. If I cut myself off from the heartbreak, I cut myself off from the wonder and the majesty. And so is there space in your life for wonder? Is there space in your life for the majesty, the magnificence of things? When was the last time you truly honored and toasted and celebrated your own magnificence in something? That that to have the capacity for the magnificence, the in a vulnerable way that allows you in this big hearted way that allows you to engage with the wonder and the majesty of love. And many of you live in places because I see you, you post the pictures because you're posting these pictures of nature that you're marveling in the wonder and the majesty of that, that beauty, that natural beauty that is just there because you were willing to look up and watch the sun set or the sun rise or the beauty of that river or whatever that is and you've taken a moment bless your hearts to pull out your phones and take a picture and share it with us right? so that we could know of the wonder and the majesty that you experience right and so there's um may you be enriched by the wonder and majesty of love love that attends to all and that's a really important piece right now, right love that tends that attends to all love Love that cares, love that is in the silence. And so love that attends to all defies the divisiveness. Love that cares defies that ability to go to sleep in consensus reality. And so where we um, engage with love that cares, we all of a sudden have to care about where we are unconscious of our privilege, where we are um, unconscious of being victimy about something, where we're unconscious of our bullying, right? Love that cares means we have to pay attention. We have to care about what's going on. We have to care about really our wake, right? What's happening as a result of our actions. Not that we take responsibility for other people's reactions, but that we care about their reactions in that sense of noticing what am I creating as I move through the world you need to care about that it's not just how you feel in the moment because it's not just you you are connected to everything okay so there's the love that attends to all the love that cares and the love that is in the silence now for those of you that meditate and have a good relationship with being alone, being silent, being in the darkness. For you people, you get that, right? And when you're in those phases in life, you get that. The important part for me of this this last part of the prayer, the love that is in the silence, it is for those of you that, or those moments that we, own this myself, the moments that I am struggling, 
struggling in the loneliness, struggling in the disconnection, struggling in the ways that we've had experiences where we believe we are disconnected, that we are alone, that um, we are hopeless, that we are despairing. And for me, this, this constant repetition and the remembering that love is in the silence, it is in the darkness, it is in those hard places, that this, this true love prayer ends with that, which I believe for me is the peace that we can reach when we're in that hard place. Right? And then the prayer continues simply to say, may true love be the expression of power in the world and may we be the ones to bring it. Or if you're doing it yourself, may I be the one to bring it. And so my sense if you're worn out is that in your efforts to center love, you're just to draw in and center love. Right? And for those of you that are um, rocking it, great. You have that much more to give in this time. And in this way, together, we will figure it out. As long as we remember that we are the ones to bring true love and center it in the world that we are creating together. So I want to give thanks to the ancestors for gathering around us here today for the sky above, the earth below, and the heart that connects us all. I want to give gratitude to all of you as listeners and let you all know that our last online course um, starts November 9th, uh, 8th, sorry. So um, energy body clearing is being offered again. And um, you can register at deepliberationprocess.com. And just to remind everybody that if you're just pooped, a lot of people are just worn out by this year, that in the new year, all of the online classes will begin again. And uh, I invite you all to join us. Have a wonderful week, everyone.